Welcome to Heart to Heart, a Horizon-produced podcast. In today's episode, we are sitting down with one of our program directors who oversees our residential facility, Horizon Village. We will learn a bit more about what this level of care looks like, what we are seeing in our community, and how we are providing hope and education to not only those struggling with addiction, but the families and loved ones alongside them. So today we are sitting here with Nick Gazzoli. He works out at our Horizon Village campus in Sanborn, New York. And Nick, would you do me a favor and um, give us your title and your role here at Horizon? Also, tell us a little bit about how long you've been at Horizon and what other positions you've held. Sure thing. Uh, I'm Nick Gazzoli. I'm the program director at Horizon Village. I've been with the company for almost 11 years. I started as an outpatient counselor, and then I moved on into management in one of our outpatient clinics. And a couple of years ago, I took over Horizon Village, which is a 50-bed all-male facility in Sanborn, New York. Residential, so think as long as a person needs, but usually a couple of months. Awesome. And what does residential mean? So, you know, when I say, you know, you work at our residential um, location on Horizon Village sure. campus, what does that mean? The uh, answer to the question is built in the word. It's your residence. So it's where a person lives. So um, if someone goes to quote unquote residential, it means they're going to move away from living where they currently were and move to live with us so that we can focus acutely on them for all their needs. Everything from the clinical work they need to do to health and wellness to you know, outside electives, including getting their families involved to help educate the family on what the person's going through. It's kind of like a, a periodic break from life to reset, rebuild a foundation so that you can move back into life more successfully than you were before you got there. That's great. That makes so much more sense. Right. So it's like a, a hotel for recovery. It's yes. a very loose way to think about it, right? Yes. You come, you live there, you wake up, you eat there, you work out there. You go to classes there. The classes are kind of how to educate a person on what to rebuild and how to think through situations that they weren't successful in the past. And then also do things like watch the football game or hang out and watch a movie at night and also do some sober activities. We also will transport people who live with us to meetings so that they can start to build some supports in the outside world, all with the objective to have someone leave where they're set up to be successful. They're going to link to one of our outpatients, ideally, or they're going to continue with treatment elsewhere. But ideally, they've they've built a platform to take the next right step in the right direction. That's great. And so, would you be able to would you be able to give us a little insight on what does somebody look like age wise? What they're struggling with when they walk into Horizon Village? Now, it is an all male facility, and there's obviously other facilities that will treat veterans out there along with women. But what are, what's the demographic? And I know that that's probably a, a loaded question. I would say to anyone listening, look in the mirror because it can look like me and you. Uh, you can't see me right now, but it looks like me. It looks like you. It looks like your family. The people who come to Horizon Village are just people. And there are people who have fallen upon hard times. And uh, how that happened or why that happened, there's there's common routes, there's uncommon routes. But at the end of the day, a person who comes to the village is just someone who went through life. There was a happenstance that affected them adversely. And now they're there. Uh, you're looking at upwards of 28 years old up until 70s, but all are welcome. We don't have an age restriction on the high end. Um, you are 18 now. And yeah, it's 18, 18 up. And up. So, but you know, because we have a young adult facility, mm -hmm. our average age is probably 27 and up. Okay. They look like me and you. Sure. What substances are you seeing more 
increasingly common sure. these days. Um, I'll date myself. Uh, earlier I said I started as an outpatient counselor and everything was alcohol 10 years ago. Alcohol, cocaine, marijuana. In the last 10 years, as everyone knows, there's been an enormous spike in opioid use. I think the vast majority of our 50 patients consist of uh, primary opiate use disorder, but there is no such thing as single drug of choice, secondary drug of choice. W once you're once you're deep into that end of the pool, drugs are your choice. So you might have a preference towards opiates or you might have a physiological addiction towards opiates, but this isn't, you don't come to the village to kick opiates, keep smoking pot. You come to the village to really figure out how to move away from a life where you need to use something. Sure. It's not about uh, creating abstinence. It's about facilitating recovery away from everything. And that's really where people become successful. It's tried and tested, proven to fail. If you give up one, but stay with the other, the other leads back to the one, if you follow my logic there. Right. So I would say people come in the door from opiates and usually you might have to do some medical detox and stabilize first, but it's primarily opiates. Okay. And what does their day look like? I mean, and, and you gave us a, a brief sure. overview, but you know, they're coming in, it's their residence now. So what's a typical day? Sure. So a typical day probably mirrors what you might think, well, what does a college kid do all day? They wake up. After they wake up, there's a breakfast time. We uh, have medication times. People take their meds. Then we have, you know, think class one, class two, 930 to 1030, there's a class. 1030 to 1130, there's a class. And when you say class, that's their that's a group. counseling so that, that, session, group. Yeah, it's a clinically led group meeting. Uh, some are more didactic in nature, where meaning they're, they're taught more is more of like a lesson feel. Some are more process in nature, where the group might be smaller and you might have 12 people discussing something where there's a lot of sharing going on. So there's vicarious knowledge of what happened to you, how can that impact me? And then there's stuff that's more tutorial where a, a clinician is really saying, let me teach you about this. Let me teach you this skill set. This skill set will help you. And... Um, then you break for lunch. Um, you know, everybody knows people take meds at different times. So we have a couple different med passes throughout the day. After lunch, they'll go to another group or class from one o'clock to two o'clock, two o'clock to three o'clock. At three o'clock, there's a recreation where uh, patients go to our wellness facility, which is absolutely gorgeous. So you get to work out, do spin class, shoot hoops, play volleyball. After four o'clock, you come back. Then um, there's kind of like a bit of free time before dinner. And then after dinner, there's another group meeting. And then it's kind of uh, spend some downtime. People have uh, meetings that they lead kind of on their own, peer leds or a specific AA or NA meeting. And then it's lights out. I mean, we try to get people on a good circadian cycle. So we don't stay up too late, but we get up early and really try to make the most of the day. And then in between that, I apologize for being long winded, is we'll help people get out to meetings. Right. So that some of the things we're talking about isn't just hypothetical. It's let's go, you know, put the rubber to the road and let's go to a meeting. Let's get you get some numbers, get a home group sponsor. So uh, things are in place for afterwards. That's great. So they have their day. And then when it comes to family members or friends or loved ones, how do you then intertwine that sure. into their new routine when they're at the village? So uh, within a person's first day, certainly within their first week, uh, it's a responsibility of a clinician to outreach to the family, right? So we want to start to build the bridge. Uh, two things can happen there. One, sometimes families, they just want a bit of reprieve. And that's understandable. Your common sense is, okay, that makes, safe, uh, makes sense. My, my loved one's in a safe place. That's when we want you the most because we want to engage you now, help you start learning about how to help them recover. Because while you might want your loved one or yourself to recover, we need the systems around you. 
to recover. Right. There's a lot of healing to do there. Right. So we and would, a lot of education, I can imagine. Maybe they're synonymous, right? Sure. Education and healing are probably become the same thing because there's resentments that need to be let go of. There's information where you need to say, okay, that's less of a choice. That was more like breathing for you. So I need to understand the way your body was working. And now I need to understand that I'm not the only family in the middle of Western New York going through this and that I can benefit from talking to other families. So we want to open the door up for one-on-one sessions. And then we also want to invite families to our family programming so that you can have a very one-on-one feel specific to what's happening with my loved one to a larger class think group meeting where you're learning about what do families who are going through this go through and how can that help me and my family navigate it so when you have the patient figuring out how to recover and a family thinking about how to recover you've now exponentially increased the odds of recovering and it becomes less person specific there then you just have a, a family that's recovering right together that's the only way it's going to work. Exactly. I, it really isn't a solitary journey for a person. It can be, but it, that's not usually the, the best prognostic indi- indicator of success afterwards. You give me a person whose family is willing to be supportive, willing to be educated, willing to be vulnerable, willing to be humble, get them surrounded by information that supports them and their loved one, you know, have a better shot at doing this long term, because that's really the goal, Chrissy, Right. is not completing treatment. It's completing treatment and then seeing where are you three months later, six months later, six years later, 16 years later, right? 60 years later for sure. some people. So the only way you're going to do that is to not just build a foundation, but surround that foundation by things that support it long after we're gone. And, and that is a perfect segue into my next question, which is, okay, so... We have, you know, somebody that's been utilizing our services that comes to the village that stays there for three or so months and then they do what? So they go through all their days and their counseling and they get the go ahead to what's that next step? Okay. So what does um, that look like? There's a loose term I use, which which sounds like okay to leave versus good to go. So. When people finish up their time at the village, I want them to be in a place where they're, they're okay to leave now, right? The, 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 the systems are in place for them to have some type of autonomous recovery, but that doesn't mean you're done. The first thing we're going to do when we're planning your discharge is talk about linkage. That linkage is to your housing, your medication, if necessary, and your treatment afterwards. What that treatment looks like afterwards is going to depend on the person, but there's the common threads of it's typically intensive outpatient, right? So we're going to say, before you leave, Tom, let's get you on the phone with your counselor at one of our many locations. Have that bridge built so they can at least talk over the phone, say, here's what's going on. And then ideally, patient Tom, for example, leaves the village, becomes an alumni, which means they come back, by the way, to visit us every few months. But then they link an outpatient and then they follow their outpatient track for as for as however long as that takes. Tom does that. At some point, that might end, right? Tom might graduate. And that's when you might think he's more good to go. But okay to okay to leave the village and good to go from outpatient treatment has to then lead to what else are you doing to sustain your recovery? Right. Some people that might mean continued treatment with professionals. Other people that might mean linkage to home groups, sponsors, participation in smart recovery. It's so personalized that I could go on and on and on right. with examples because there's on and on and on patients. But and everybody is different, and everybody has a different path. Yep, and that's and that's our job to sit down with a patient and figure out what's yours. 
Right. Not here's what worked for Bill. So let's plug Tom into Bill's and plug Susan into Sarah's. The idea is to really sit down with each person, each family and say, this would be best for you. We think. What do you think? How's it going? Check back with us. Do we need to reroute or should we stay on the same path? And that's our job. And many patients who do leave the village, okay to leave and good to go. They come back. They visit us. We have alumni uh, every other month. And uh, sometimes the best moments are when you're just at the mall. Someone comes up to you or gives you a look or a hug and says, hey, thank you. And they just go shopping with their kids. And you know that that person made made the change that we hope, you know, for all. That's amazing. And it's it just nice. happened to me over the Christmas season. Did it really? Yeah, a guy ran up to me in the mall. I didn't initiate him, but he ran up to me, gave me a huge hug. The kids go, Daddy, Daddy, who's that? And the kid looked at me. I said, I'm his accountant. But, <laughs> right. you know, but uh, he just the smile on his face was his way of saying, like, you know, kind of look at me now. Right. I'm just Christmas shopping, right. which is kind of what you're supposed to do in recovery. Right. You're just supposed to drag your kids around the mall with one whining, go Christmas shopping. Right. And uh, just kind of start navigating. Happy. The normalcies of life. Yes. Oil changes, Christmas shopping. Yes. Absolutely. So the additional supports that you see, you know, again, not even just after the intensive outpatient after Horizon Village, but, you know, there's the recovery coaching, there's continued family support. Will you touch on a little bit about what are those other supports that are provided and what are the benefits? The first word that comes to my mind are bridges. They are bridges to help the patient get through a tough time. So a recovery coach or a sponsor or a health home or a counselor or a sponsor or a home group or someone who's just a good support to your recovery is willing to give you a ride to a meeting that day are all systems that should exist to help the patient navigate whatever falls in front of them. So sometimes you might not have your your counselor's phone number. You shouldn't have your counselor's phone number. You should have the phone number to the office. But you could have your recovery coach's phone number. So if you needed something at an off hour, because, you know, not, not everything happens between business hours. Life doesn't happen, you know, only on you know Monday mornings between nine and five, so to speak. Sometimes something's happening at 11 p.m. And maybe you need a recovery coach and that recovery coach can help put you in the right direction. Maybe you just need to call your sponsor. So what's the difference between a recovery coach and a sponsor? Um, I think the recovery coach is going to be kind of like the, the partial ground between mm-hmm. Uh, an outside support sponsor and a professional. Got it. The, the, their job is to almost think in a dualistic fashion between uh, the goal is the same, support sure. the patient, stay in line with recovery. But the recovery coach should have information and access towards all the professional resources mm-hmm. that Horizon has and even beyond Horizon, right? They right. are, it's their job to say like, hey, you might not know this, but I have this option, this option, this option. A support's going to have those things too, so why not have both? Right. It's not about having one or the other. The, right. the smartest person has both. Right. Or tertiary or fourtiary, five sherry. I don't even yes. know how to say those words, but the ideal person is going to have a vast amount of resources in their pocket. So I think the, the recovery coach is going to be the person who also might help with some of the, which is normal at times, uh, reluctance a person might have if they're like, look, things have been going well for 16 months, but I feel funny. And you don't want to necessarily maybe talk about that with your family because everybody's just hoping you're going to do well long term. Maybe the recovery coach is the person you have that honest conversation with and the person who can help point you in the right direction. How do you define success in your role? I mean, it, and it looks different on everybody. And, you know, just like you said, any of us. I, I heard the words a long time ago, but I understand them differently now. Um, positive outcomes. 
the, the word success to me now does not have to do with if you completed successfully or if you left unsuccessfully or if you chose to leave and all the different uh, labels that can fall around a person. The, the real metric for success is how are you doing as often as we can stay in touch with you? Are you still doing well? And it's okay if you're not doing well. The, the success metric is that you came back for help. Mm -hmm. Success is not synonymous to just abstinence. Recovery is around running parallel to life. Mm -hmm. And that's not always going to be smooth. I don't know anyone who has a perfectly smooth life. But if your recovery runs parallel and you live the two of them together, then I think that's the way a person becomes successful. If when it's hard, you ask for help and we're there, that's success. If you continue to do well and live substance-free, that's a huge success for a lot of people. If, if you give up the vice that destroyed your life and were able to rebuild a life where you have your things back, your freedom, your sanity, your family, your finances, or you have none of those things, but just have your health and your sanity back, then that's a metric of success. And right. it, it's not a one size fits all. Right. It would be easier if it was. It'd mm -hmm. be easier if it was just like the Super Bowl. You have to win. And you, when you win, it's so clear. But there's 50 patients at Horizon Village. There's 125 patients on the campus. We have another facility downtown. We have how many outpatients? Do all the thousands of people that we serve have an opportunity to be successful? Yes. What does that look like? It's different for the thousands. But right. at the end of the day, it's are they doing well? Are they being helped? Are they willing to come back and ask for help when they need it and staying in touch? So maybe it's connection. Right? Right. Maybe maybe a positive outcome means they stay connected so we can help them long term because that's that's really what it's about is about long term sustainability. So, Nick, Horizon Village Campus being in Western New York is a huge asset to our community because the resources that are provided there as you've gone over are are so beneficial to our patients and their families and loved ones. What would you say when you're you're on the campus every single day, you see 125 patients every single day all coming in at different stages of their lives, struggling with maybe different substances but all looking for ultimately the same end goal of that sustainability, that connection, you know, being substance free and gaining their life back. It really can happen to anybody, but the, there are resources here. So what would you say to somebody listening or, you know, a community member that that doesn't really understand that level of sure. care or treatment. I think for the community member, you have something in your community that you might not know a ton about. Hopefully you don't have to know a ton about, but, but its existence makes your community better. The, the reality that we exist, brick and mortar, with all of the resources and, 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 and linkages that we do means the community members, someone's son, someone's daughter, can become a healthier, happier, participating member of your community because that resource exists. For the person listening who this might fall close to home for themselves or a loved one, it's the last thing you want to need, but it's the first thing you're grateful for having. The fact is you can send someone there. The there exists. If you made a, a long distance phone call pretend, 
they don't have a horizon village. They don't have a place for their loved one to medically detox, to have medically managed care, to then stabilize, to then go to a place to set a foundation, let alone to link afterwards to strengthen that foundation. So the fact that we're here means we're here for you if you need us. And if you don't need us, we're here for you because we're, we're strengthening everything around you. When a person recovers or participates in recovery, it just strengthens the community. The fact that we're awesome just means people come and they make the most out of it. The patients will tell you, for many, it's not their first time, but many will tell you it's the absolute best they've ever been to. Like anyone else, they will get out of it what they put into it, but those who put the work in, they do get the end result. And the end result isn't always perfect, but it's in process. And if you understand uh, substance use, when it's active, it's destructive only in nature to families, to the individual, to their health, to, to, to the community. So the fact that we're here means someone has a place to go to get better. So one by one by one. No, that's great. And I really appreciate you explaining, you know, what what does life on the campus look like? And, you know, it is such a a strong resource and and such a sustainable foundation, like you were saying. If I could add to it, the word that's coming to my mind is just camaraderie, right? Mm -hmm. So much of use is solitary. But there's so much camaraderie on the campus. Because they're not alone. They're not alone. And then families are not alone. Right. And then people lift each other up. Right. Because the the common goal is the common goal. Everybody wants to get better. And it's poetry in motion when people lift themselves up. Right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today to explain, you know, what that world at the campus looks like. And thank you so much for all that you do every single day. And the food's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I do always get feedback whenever I'm on the campus that they love the food. Um, So thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, It's been great getting to know you. Thank you for tuning in. If you or someone you care about are looking for help or even to just get some questions answered, you can always call Horizon at 716-831-1800 or visit us at horizon-health.org for more information. Be sure to subscribe to Heart to Heart to not miss any of our future episodes, as well as follow Horizon on our social media platforms through Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Thank you again for listening today.